The car business is changing faster than ever. And now is the time for dealers and allied industry professionals to get ahead. Together, we'll explore practical ways to help your dealership thrive or get the best results from your account through leadership process and implementation. I'm Becky Chernick, and this is Make Your F&I Profits Stick. It's a pleasure to bring Dave Anderson on. He is known as Mr. Accountability, and he is the leading international speaker and author on personal and corporate performance improvement. Former operations director for some of the most successful automotive dealerships in North America, and currently president of Learn to Lead, which helps individuals and organizations worldwide reach their personal and corporate potential. So Dave, for our dealers and listeners, I'm excited to talk to you today. You're an exceptionally well-respected icon in the automotive industry. And I watched your presentation on Ted Ng's Fixed Ops Roundtable, How to Survive Success. And I couldn't agree with you more. Auto dealers have been extremely successful doing more with less in 2021. But you also mentioned some may be relying on this false sense of security to sustain them in 2022. Dealers focus on these final outcomes and not on these daily activities to assure their success. Can you provide to our listeners, what do you mean by this? Well, first, thank you for the nice words, Becky, and it's great to be with you. This has been a good topic for this year. It it really resonates uh, with a lot of clients. And uh, you know, just to kind of set it up, I you know, prosperity is wonderful, and we all we all strive for prosperity. But prosperity brings some pitfalls. And as prosperity rises, uh, urgency falls. As prosperity rises, the work ethic can diminish. As prosperity rises, focus can scatter. And as prosperity rises, intensity can wane. I mean, I think ease is a greater threat to achievement than adversity. I mean, people get it backwards, but the greatest tests uh, come not in adversity. They come in prosperity. Adversity, if things are tough, we're motivated to get back to disciplines. We're motivated to get back to training, to get back to structure, to get back to processes, to not have any margin for error. But prosperity tempts us to trust in our prosperity and abandon a lot of the disciplines that created the conditions for what we're now enjoying. And so there are a lot of organizations, and certainly not just in the car business, Becky, that that have just gotten away from so many of the fundamentals, training, right hiring, consistent recruiting, holding people accountable, defining clarity, because they've been able to get away with it, because the numbers are so good and they're getting dazed by data and numbed by numbers and the numbers have really been outstanding and they're taking their eyes off the game. They're confusing the scoreboard for the game. And so, you know, to survive success, we've got to get back in the game. We can't just become distracted and and so, you know, enamored with these uh, victory laps that we've been turning into marathons and pats on the back we've been turning into full body massages. We've got to get back and make sure, are we really brilliant in the basics of our business? Have we gotten away from some things that when things turn, and they're going to turn, no season lasts forever. I guess that's good news if it's a bad season, but if it's if it's a good season, no season lasts forever. Business is made up of seasons. Are we prepared? Are we going to be overreacting and in damage control mode? And I fear a lot of organizations are because they've gotten complacent during these good times. I, I go through this a lot, especially 
with our dealers who are doing and thriving and doing a great job and an exceptional job. And and in fact, when we talk about maybe even putting Evanai online, utilizing some of these technology tools, et cetera, to really help to embrace customer and have a better customer overall experience. And I and, it, and the comment that I always get or the feedback I'm always getting is, you know what, we're doing really good. Why yeah. should we change? Yeah. Well, the reason you should change is because you're doing good, but you can still be better. You know, you have people that still could be doing more than they're doing. Um, you know, you're letting good get in the way of your best. And you've got to stay in an attack mode. It's not about how good we're doing. It's about how much are we still missing? How much better could it be? And making up that difference between where we're at and where we really believe our potential is. In my seminars, I ask people, how many of you believe you have people on your team right now that are capable of doing more than they're doing every day? Everybody's hand goes up. And so there's a lot of room uh, to improve. That's why you should you should do better. Don't, you know, you, you can either make those changes now or you can let the market force you into making those changes because you weren't proactive. You can either correct your course now or you can let the market correct it for you. So let me ask you this. You mentioned as well, and I picked up so many nuggets, so many golden nuggets, if you will, from Ted Ng's uh, Fixed Stops Roundtable on that presentation. Now, I know you have a full day class, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But you mentioned when the season's calm, complacent, calmly content, smugly satisfied. Tell, tell us what's, what is that all about? You know, in my in in a lot of my books and my seminars, I talk about definitions, and people think I'm an academic by giving all these definitions to words. And honestly, you don't have to listen to me very long to realize I'm not an academic. But I like definitions because they create clarity. And a word only has power if you know what the heck it means. And I have found that most people don't know what complacent or complacency really means. They think it means you're lazy. And if you misdefine it, you're not going to realize when you fall and pray to it. It does not mean you're lazy. That's not the definition. It means calmly content, smugly self-satisfied. That's a smack in the face definition because the fact is, Becky, you can work 80 hours a week, which is certainly not lazy, and be so calmly content with your results that you're not changing anything. You're not training people. You're not giving feedback. You're not leading from the trenches. You're not holding people accountable. Complacency isn't about the hours you put in. It's about what you put in the hours. And so you and I have one thing in common, and every listener has the same thing in common. Our biggest vulnerability, our biggest threat is the one we're not aware of. And if we don't see complacency as a threat, we're never going to face it and fix it. We're never going to acknowledge it and change it. But when do we get complacent? Well, we don't get complacent when there's adversity. When there's adversity, we're on red alert. When there's adversity, we'll change, we'll risk, we'll do whatever we have to do to get out of that situation. We get complacent when all the seas are calm. All the seas are calm, there's not these visible threats, and so this is why I sit at the very top of the program, prosperity has some pitfalls. It welcomes complacency, this calm contentedness, this smug satisfaction with our results into our business, into our mindset, and it can start to infect our culture, and we can get away from the things that have made us successful, and there's a day of reckoning for that. You can get away with it for a while, but there is a compounding effect that these failed disciplines will catch up with you. So I you know, have to say I, I, I absolutely agree with this, and so I, in my training, 
I talk about the importance of consistent practices and being more consistent in those practices always builds more confidence. And you also mentioned inconsistent behaviors. The dealers are putting up with this. They're not managing that consistent behavior of practices. And I'm seeing this a lot in the dealership. So what, what, you know, what do you, what do you think about the, the accountability? There's always this inspect what you expect. What's happening with that? Well, yeah, you, you nailed it because consistency is a huge thing. It's huge. It's the difference maker. It's the separator between the good and great in anything. I ask people, how often do you do this? And they say, well, usually I do. And I said, well, usually isn't consistency. All right, consistency, it becomes part of your nature. It becomes automatic. It's just a part of what you do. You don't even have to think about it. You've done it so well for so long, so often. But the fact is, if people aren't held accountable, they won't do it. Two things help consistency. First of all, and this one's often overlooked, get people better at what you're wanting them to be consistent at. If they're better at it, they're more likely to do it. Why do people dodge making phone calls? They're terrible at making phone calls. They don't get great results making phone calls. Why do people dodge asking for referrals or going out and prospecting? They're not very good at it. So if we want people to become more consistent, let's get them better at it higher self-esteem, higher self-confidence, I'm a lot more likely to do something I'm better at and I feel good about. And the second thing is you got to hold them accountable. I mean, so many organizations right now, they don't even have performance standards. They have performance suggestions. Yeah. If somebody doesn't execute what they call a standard, nothing happens. And if there's no consequence, you don't have a standard, you have a suggestion and you can't run a great organization by making suggestions. And so what you tolerate will continue. What you permit will persist. What you permit, you promote. And so if you want people to be more consistent, get them better at doing what you want them to be consistent at and then hold them accountable for doing it. People do what they're held accountable for. But the absence of a consequence, Becky, the absence of a consequence actually serves as a reinforcer. If there's no consequence for coming in late, if there's no consequence for not making your calls, you're more likely to see it. You'd never reinforce that behavior intentionally, but you did nonetheless, and it's going to happen again because behaviors that get reinforced get repeated. So this is the these are the dangerous waters managers and dealers are, are wading into now. There's a lack of consistency, and it's gonna take adversity, I believe, to motivate people back to consistency. It's going to take adversity to get them back to the right habits and these basic disciplines that they never should have left in the first place. So we can improve consistency. Consistency isn't just a matter of will. There's a science to it. Get them better, hold them accountable. It's not rocket science, though. It's pretty simple if we're willing to do our jobs and do it. And a lot of managers, frankly, they're not doing their job right now. And dealers aren't doing their job either. Dealers aren't holding their managers accountable, and their managers aren't holding their people accountable. And just the whole culture's up for grabs. And when the market changes a bit, they're going to get undressed. That's for sure. So, you know, you also mentioned execute the right way. And, and I feel like that means, well, that means knowing and being consistent in your, um, your practices, but execute the right way and do this. Well, that's on- right. If somebody's terrible at something, you don't want to, you don't want them doing it more often. 
It's like, let's do it the right way. I mean, a foolish consistency is going to get you farther off track. That's why we've got to train people. We've got to invest in people. And we've been able to get away from that in our business this year uh, to a large degree and still have good numbers. But if you want people to see consistency work for them, then they've got to be doing it well. They've got to be doing it the right way. Now let's do it more often. But first, let's get them better at it. If somebody sucks at phone calls, I sure don't want them making them more and, and making them more often. Well, here's my pet peeve, and I've always been training this and since, oh my gosh, for the past 20 years, I think, um, you probably have read how many times, or me saying how many times, meeting customers on their terms, doing, Ev and I getting out, meeting the customer, doing a total review of the information, fact find, build rapport with that customer, understand uh, product uh, and, and the value proposition it brings to the customer, and just having a better overall understanding of that transaction before we can bring the customer into the F&I office. And I know that behavior, the right way of making that happen doesn't happen on a consistent basis. Right. No, I mean, it, it's it just, it takes repetition. It takes practice. It takes commitment. You know, you don't become great doing certain things every once in a while. Every once in a while doesn't get you anywhere except frustrated. And so it's, but again, right now, I, I think people have every excuse for not doing these things and every reason not to. We're doing pretty well. Well, you're doing pretty well in spite of the fact that you're not doing the right things, not because of the fact that you're not doing the right things. And, and you have to understand the compounding effect of both good and bad habits. You know, when you start doing the right things, Becky, you don't see an instant result much of the time. That would be too easy. But the results don't always show up overnight, but they will show up over time. They will compound and catch up with you. Prospecting is a great example of that. Practice is a great example of that. And the opposite also is true. When you aren't holding people accountable, when you're not training people, when you're not adhering to solid disciplines, there's not an instant negative result either. You'd be better off if there were. You'd be better off if the day you didn't hold someone accountable, something came upside the head and knocked you hard and woke you up and got you back on track. But it doesn't. We cannot hold somebody accountable and still have a great month. We can skip training all month and still have a record at the end of the month. But the compounding effect will catch up with you there too. Not No one that is listening to this is the exception to the sowing and reaping law. Whether you're sowing the right things or you're sowing the wrong things, you eventually will reap it. You can't outrun it. Amen. Um, let's talk a bit about, which I I actually, I found this interesting. I get it. And I, and I, and I do this in my everyday business practices as well. Talk about having this conversation with that individual and, and, and maybe not so much of this training session or the, the, the workshops so much. It is in the everyday activity of having these individual conversations. Really, that's the key word to accountability and the feedback is having conversations with people. When I talk about applying consequences, people always think, well, a consequence is a write-up or a a termination. No, no, no. The, the best, most effective, fastest, easiest to deliver consequence is having a conversation with somebody and, 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 and doing it in a conversational manner, eliminating the gray area. And you bring somebody aside and you say something like this. You say, John, what you just did with that customer, that's not how we do it here. 
you just violated these two values. If everybody did what you just did, we don't have a chance of reaching our goal this year. Now, let me show you again how to handle that situation. I'll expect you to do it that way from here on out. Now, are we good? We on the same page? See, I didn't have to get personal or bring up the last 10 things he did or yell or whip out my big, bad, mightier-than-thou accountability voice or get sarcastic. It's about having conversations with people. Now, it's also about having conversations when they're doing the right things. Because if you want to see them doing more of the right things, you got to recognize more of the right things. Behaviors that get rewarded and reinforced get repeated. Most managers will not even have these conversations. They don't have the skills or the guts to do their job. Accountability is a skill set and a mindset. You've got to develop both. And as long as the numbers are good, it's like, why fuss over it? Why rock the boat? Things could be a lot worse. Overall, we're doing pretty well. And they're letting people develop bad habits they're going to be harder to change and harder to get back on track when things aren't quite as robust as they are now. So managers would take a huge step forward. Dealers would take a huge step forward in growing their people by having more respectful, direct, corrective conversations with them to keep them on the right track. I tell my people, listen, I'm not going to be easy on you. I'm not going to let you down by being easy on you. Okay, I care enough about you to hold you to a high standard and to expect more from you. It's a false kindness to allow you to get farther off track just because I don't want to have a conversation that makes you or me uncomfortable. That's a false kindness, and eventually it's going to hurt your future and mine as well. Well, I couldn't agree with that more as well, because I, I just think about how many times things get upset in the negative way when we have a sales associate who is not maybe their deal isn't straight when he, when they bring the deal into the FNI office and the FNI person really is reacting in a negative way as yeah. opposed to perhaps sitting that sales associate down and having that conversation. Oh, you've, you've got to be able to master your emotions. If you're going to get the most out of people, you can't be a hothead. You, you can't be a jerk. Uh, holding people accountable doesn't mean you're a bully. doesn't mean you talk down to them. That stuff's a bunch of nonsense. And, and you can deliver a really worthwhile message in such a, such a distracting manner that it doesn't get through. And if your message doesn't get through, you fail. And, and so it's just about learning to control your emotions, mm -hmm. learning just to, to go a little lower and a little slower. If you're upset, go lower and slower. Get control of yourself and have a respectful conversation with someone. Be firm. Be firm. You don't have to get loud. You don't need to. You don't need to raise your voice. You need to improve your words, and improve your tone, and improve your inflection, and improve your pace, and talk to them the way you'd want to be talked to, and not talk down to people. Especially today, Becky. People are very thin-skinned overall. They're easy to offend, and you you've got to be more aware of respectful tones and approaches and conversations, or you're not going to get your point across. I say, and I, you know, I, I won't be, I'll be the first to admit that there are times where, you know, biting your tongue is just the right thing to do. And, and, and taking care of that situation in, in the right way makes a lot of sense. So you've also talked about reevaluating. And I think now we're going into 2022. And we're, what, a day away from that? And right. so what should that individual, the manager, 
in the dealership do to reevaluate where they're at and how do they set appropriate objectives for themselves um, is yeah. In you know, first of all, this is a great time of the year to reevaluate your organizational clarity. Um, going into 2022, do you have a clear vision? Is it specific? Is it compelling? Is it something that will unite the team that they can rally around? And then have you broken it down for each team member to really show them these are your essential activities you need to engage in every day that are most predictive of creating the result we need for you. You see, we talk too much about outcomes, Becky, and I, I know it's natural. That's how we get paid. That's how we're measured. But we need to have more conversations about essential activities because activities create the outcomes. And too many of us right now, we're confusing the scoreboard for the game. We're setting a lot of goals. We're not really managing the activities that are most predictive of creating them. So as I'm going into this new year, I want to make sure I have a bold vision. I want to stretch people. All right, A vision should stretch people. You should not be able to hit it with business as usual. Vision should always initially exceed competence. When you set that goal, you shouldn't be good enough to get there yet. That'll create a positive tension to improve yourself and to improve your people. But then we need to have an obsession, not with outcomes, but an obsession with executing the right activities every day. And they, if you have five different people on your team, they may be five different sets of activities. They may have different strengths. That veteran salesperson could have far higher returns making phone calls and working their customer base than the brand new salesperson who's got nobody to call and doesn't even know the product yet. So it's about customizing that activity plan for every member of your team to bring the best out of them. And make sure you're clear about those things. In my book, I wrote a book, I've written 15 books, and one of them was called It's Not Rocket Science, and it's all about execution. And I'm really obsessed with a term in there that I call MAXAX, M-A-X-A-C-T-S, maximum activity. Out of the 40 things you've got to do every day, okay, if you could only do four that were most predictive of creating the result we're paying you to create, what would they be? Those are your max acts. That's what you go in and attack that day. If you get off track, that's what you get back to. That's what we're gonna train on because if those activities are that big of a deal, we've gotta get you really good at it. And then I'm gonna hold you accountable for those activities every day. See, if I'm only holding you accountable for outcomes, we might have a conversation once a month, maybe. That's not even happening now. But if I'm holding you accountable for activities, we can have those conversations every day and keep you on track and get you better. So what managers would do now, what I think they could really benefit from is evaluating, do they have that type of clarity? Do they have that type of vision for their organization? And then they have they made it personal and broken it down to show each team member what their role is, not just with the needed outcome, but with what that looks like on a handful of key activities every day that they need to execute. And they may have 40 things they have to do every day, but we better help them prioritize what the key three or four are that are most predictive of getting them to that result. That would be a great place for managers to reevaluate, redefine, and relaunch to their team going into this new year. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about your course that you offer on how to survive success. Now, we, you know, had that episode on Fixed Ops Roundtable Transformer, but how can they get more of that course? Um, you know, if you go to our if you go to our uh, Learn to Lead uh, website, learntolead.com is our website. This is a program. We have our own training center here, and I hold... Uh, you know, a, a menu of classes here during the year. We're just outside of Los Angeles. 
And this, the How to Survive Success program is one of those in-house programs that I do where I get all the managers on the same page at the same time. And I go into a business in not just dealerships, but a lot of dealerships and teach them all that course. Because if one manager gets it and the others don't, it's just not going to work. And so uh, I do a lot of in-house work, a lot of in-house programs where I go in and get all the managers on the same page at the same time. And this has been the most uh, the most requested topic that we've had as an in-house program this year. And uh, folks can find out more about how to get a hold of us and how to check into that at Learn to Lead, spelled out just like it sounds, dot com. Learn to Lead dot com. So, in closing, uh, Dave, I mean, as far as helping a manager or even that sales associate for that much matter really reach to the top, to really reach their potential um, in 2022, I know you shared mapping out that success and how important that would be. Uh, to to reach uh, those objectives. Is there anything else in closing that you would share that you feel is monumental in making that difference in 2022? Oh, it's a good question. I, I think I think what would really help bring all that together is if the managers got themselves right first. If they really recommitted to working on themselves. Uh, to getting themselves better. A lot of them are working a lot of hours on their job right now. They're not really working on themselves, staying more relevant, getting your own mindset right, setting big enough goals for yourself that won't allow you not to be consistent in your vital disciplines. You know, learning how to connect more with people, how to have more accountability conversations, just recommitting yourself to the skills it's going to take to lead well and what's going to be an interesting, but probably a more challenging year. You can't get so busy working on your job, you stop working on yourself. I mean, taking the courses, going to the seminars, buying the books, investing in you, because you you can't take your people on journeys you haven't been on. And you can't export to them what you don't have yourself. And if your habits have gotten bad, if you've gotten complacent, I'm just going to tell you, managers that are listening to this, if you've let up a little, your people have let up a lot. If you've caught cold, they've got pneumonia. And you've got to get yourself right first. And then your speed will influence their speed. So I would just encourage people to recommit to growing themselves. And it's energizing. Learning new things is energizing. You feel more urgency. You feel more energized. You want to share more about what you're learning. You want to try more things. And so I think that would be a great commitment to begin this year. Well, the other thing that I would like to share with that as well, um, obviously, my podcast that I'm just starting, but you also have a podcast. And um, so, uh, you know, even if you can tap into that energy that you have every morning before work, what is the name of the podcast? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's called The Game Changer Life, The Game Changer Life. And we've done it for a few years now. It's uh, I think we have almost 300 episodes. We have a one minute, a two minute, and like a 20-ish minute version. Great to listen to in commute times. It's downloaded now, I think, in 153 countries. But I don't like to listen to news and sports talk radio and this other media garbage uh, when I'm on the way to work in the morning. I'm getting in the zone. I want to get my mindset right. I don't want to let the media, with all its toxicity, drop its drawers and take a dump on my mindset when I'm getting ready to get into the arena and make something happen. So finding good podcasts, things that are educational, inspirational, motivational, just get your mind right during that commute time to where when you get to the workplace, you're already energized, you're already in the zone, and you're not talking to others about all the garbage you heard on the radio. Absolutely. Um Again, I couldn't say it better. 
uh, for sure. I, I feel that that is so important in making sure that we're starting our, our day off on the right foot. And why not with, it's certainly with your content. And with that, with that said, I again, Dave, I really want to thank you for taking the time to spend with me this uh, today and going over, you know, how to survive success. And I really hope the dealers and their managers are paying attention and realizing if we're not even getting the basics in place and we're not consistent in our overall practices and holding our people accountable to these everyday activities perhaps maybe come 2022 they're going to find that they wish that they had well they they are they're definitely going to and i think this is a great uh, message for you to choose uh, for your for your dealers and managers to hear and thank you for having me on to share it and you're doing a great job with this and i wish you the best in the upcoming year been listening to Make Your Evanite Profit Stick with Becky Chernick. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating or review wherever you're listening right now. And don't forget to share to Facebook or your favorite social media platform. Keep in mind, I offer the very best in an in-dealership or remote Evanite training since 2001 for automotive, recreational, and allied industry professionals. Get all your managers on the same page and make those F&I profits stick.